welcome to this week's edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, OTAs are underway. Let's talk about all the news stories that matter, like broken bones and drinking milk. Shout out, Jim Harbaugh. And with me this week on this agenda list podcast, it's David Newman. We're flying off the radar right now. We are. I We're- don't even know. I don't know what's going on. We're just we, winging it. We are. We are absolutely winging it. I literally, the text message I sent to one Mr. David Newman was, hey, do you want to come over and do a completely agendaless podcast with maybe some 49ers talk mixed in with everything else like Game of Thrones, Hamilton, and Avengers? Because I, I found this out Avengers. My first, I mean, that's fantastic news. Uh, we're going to get there. My first thought, though, was like, yeah, I mean, like agendaless, like air quotes, you know, like I'm sure there's something, we're going to put something together. No, I, yeah, there's no. like literally there's like a, a like couple things that just got added like news stories just so that we didn't forget. Correct. That's basically it. This is exactly that's exactly why I added them. So uh, let's crack open La Verdad, which is the beer we're drinking because it's about to be the truth, my friend. All right. So let's get to the rundown. First thing, it's now OTAs, which means it's the first opportunity for injury prone players to get injured. <laughs> and what happens? That's really... What happens? Jimmy Ward. Uh, the, let's, the, the first section, right off the top, the brakes. Just, just pour, pour one out. Pour one out for Jimmy Ward. Just have a little drink. Oh, my God. So Jimmy Ward breaks his collarbone. It's an injury I've suffered myself. Not while footballing, but while rugbying. Hurts like son of a bitch. Uh, so 8 to 12 weeks. And sure, he's going to be back for the regular season. Good for him. I'm glad. I'm glad that he got his break out of the way early this year. But... <laughs> It's it's it sucks because this is exactly what you like the pessimist in you is like, man, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he stays healthy. And the first thing that happens, dude, is he hits the deck diving for a ball, breaks his collarbone. Yeah. I mean, uh hard to be surprised at this point. Uh you you, you really feel for the dude. Um, you know, you wish that he had a chance to stay healthy and and stay on the field and and like have a chance to seem like they were at least set on leaving him at free safety and not bouncing him around a whole lot. Like maybe that was gonna be a thing that happened. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, you can just go straight to remembering that you can't really rely on him to be back there. I think what hurts the most is that of all of the text messages that you chose to send me while I was on vacation in Bermuda, this was the one you sent me. Did you see about Jimmy Award's collarbone? (laughs) I mean, it was just, it was just too on the nose. Uh, so, I mean, it, it probably doesn't affect the season all that much, but it yeah. does bring into clear focus the fact that the 49ers didn't spend a lot of resources on the secondary. And now we're seeing the result of that because Jimmy Ward is now injured. 12 weeks is probably the, the estimate that we're going to have there. But as a result of him moving off of, or not having a safety, now Tarverius Moore moves to free safety. And then the 49ers sign Dante Johnson. Because, you know, that's Which, a well you have to go back to. LOL at yeah. Dante Johnson coming back. I mean, that's just great. Too too good when I saw that come across the old Twitter <laughs> timeline. Um, Tavarius Moore, I mean, I think you have, there's like a number of questions, right, that, that come up there. Um, it, varying degrees of optimism with those. I mean, I think if you're trying to look at this more positively, you can say like, okay, played safety in college. Um, he's obviously like a very athletic player. And I I think from a movement skills standpoint, you know, has a chance to be back there. Um, I think you're looking at, okay, we've got a new DBs coach. So you want to give them a little bit of the benefit doubt for not making this move sooner. Um, but basically new DB coach comes in, needs some time to get familiar with the guys that he's got, thinks that maybe this is a thing that, that he wants to try out opportunity presents itself with ward injury like all right we're gonna run with this and kind of see where it goes on the other hand 
it's really tough to 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 I, I see like another player potentially getting bounced around to different positions like this. From a timing standpoint, bigger picture, um, it, it it's a little tough. Like if Robert Sala thought that maybe all along his best position is free safety, well, why aren't you making this move sooner? Because that does cloud the way that we look at some of their other moves or lack thereof uh, in the secondary of this offseason, right? Because a lot of, if you're, if you're trying to, again, assume kind of that positive scenario with the, the secondary this season, a lot of that banks on improvement from the young existing players that you had there, Tar- Tarverius Moore being one of those guys. And so now he's suddenly moving to a new position now. It, it kind of throws everything in flux. You're lighter at cornerback now. You're lighter already at safety now because Ward's gone. So uh, it's just already starting to kind of thin out the group that you thought you were going to work with, which is is certainly not a great sign early this season. I think the team probably views Dante Johnson as a bit of a stopgap. Someone who knows the system, who can come in, who's a veteran, who can, who will have minimum uptime to play at corner. I think he's a body. Yeah, yeah, he's a body. He's a body. Right. But what it signals to me, though, is that the the 49ers are absolutely all in on Jimmy Ward because what they're basically saying is we don't want to bring in another safety to compete or potentially threaten this this plan that we have at safety with Colbert at two and Ward at one and, and Tart down in the box with Marcel Harris backing him up. I think what they're saying is Dante Johnson come in. If you beat out someone like Greg Mabin, awesome. If you don't, great. We're right back where we started. You're just holding the seat warm for Jimmy Ward to come back. And then you move Tarveris Moore back, and then you know the plan can continue. To me, all it means is that, for whatever reason, man, they are all in on this Ward train. And they're, they're giving him every opportunity to, to, to get that one year and, and say, okay, now you performed that one year. Now let's sign you to a, a you know, maybe moderate contract and, and solve the free safety spot for a couple of years. I will say if they end up moving more back to free or back to cornerback, that would make this whole thing even more frustrating because essentially you're, you're willing to sacrifice his development at his position that he's ultimately going to land at just so that you can get him some like mini camp reps. Like, at that point, it would be better if you think that he's likely going to end up at corner anyway. Just leave him at corner. Let him continue to get those reps at corner and where bring he needs in a body experience at and just throw whoever back there. Yeah, exactly. While you're dealing with these injuries, um, somebody that has a chance that would actually play that position for you had they made the roster. So, uh, yeah, it would be a little weird for them to bounce him back that quickly. So I kind of expect, I mean, Sala was pretty noncommittal on the whole thing. Just kind of like, we'll cross that bridge when we get there type of deal. But it would be a little bizarre to make that move and then bounce him right back come training camp to me. Yeah, it, it would be bizarre, but it's not outside of the the Niners zone, right? Sure. We've got yeah, the, we've got the Tyson we, we zone. See. Yeah, we've got the Tyson zone, which is when just you're you're so absolutely convinced that you know everything can happen from any given scenario. The Niners are in their own zone when it comes to position switching. They they just they are obsessed with this idea of versatility, and I think that they think that good players can and should be versatile. Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily the truth, but and I think there's like, you know, we talk about versatility being good to a point, but you've got to actually be good at some of those things, right? right? Uh, to to actually have value there, and when you don't give guys chances to get good at, you have to kind of start them slower, right? Even though you think you can get there, let them get good at one thing first, get really comfortable there, 
then you start kind of adding things to his plate a little bit if right. you think he can handle it. Don't just kind of bounce him back and forth and, and not let him get comfortable anywhere. Yeah, you think of really, really good corner to safety transitions. I mean, even the Niners, he was only a Niner, I think, for like one or two years, but Rod Woodson, right? There's a good corner to safety transition, but he was a really good corner. He was a much better safety, but he was still not a half-bad corner. Um, and, and you think of the Woodsons of the Warden players that have made that switch successfully. Um, it's usually because they're they're pretty good uh, at something, and then, and then they move to, to something yeah. else. But. Uh, but your other player, now, I think we finally we finally solved who plays Sam, though, uh, because Malcolm Smith playing Sam linebacker. Malcolm Smith, random Sam from the stands. Who can really tell the difference? You <laughs> can know? we please start uh, calling Malcolm Smith um, like random Sam Smith? Malcolm Sam. <laughs> Malcolm Sam. Malcolm Sam. Malcolm Sam Smith. <laughs> um, I will just say, you know, I ain't here to be a bully online. Um, let's say it seems. Fitting. Uh, uh, who would you rather listen to? Uh, no, who would you rather watch play football? Uh, Malcolm Smith or Sam Smith? <laughs> play, like uh, actually playing the Sam linebacker position. Probably Sam Smith. Yeah, I think that'd be that pretty funny be too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he's playing Sam. Um, now, so do you think that the change to the alignment, which is the wide nine, and for those of you listening, we're all about helping you, you know, sound smarter when you talk about football, right? So the wide, the, the wide nine is an alignment. Um, it's not necessarily a whole different front, right? So that, that's one thing to note. But that does change the way the linebackers are going to be positioned a little bit. So now you're probably not going to have the strong linebacker up on the line of scrimmage. You're going to have the uh, defensive end out wide. And, and that means you're going to have three off-ball linebackers. Does that change the A, importance, or B, skill set required to play the position? Uh, importance, no. Um, I think what it does is is make all of those linebacker positions a little bit more interchangeable. Um, so they they all now are requiring a fairly similar skill set, which I think is probably why they're playing Malcolm Smith in in that role because he was obviously somebody that they felt was more of an off ball guy. So yeah, that's the the, the big change, right? It, that it sounds like is is they are rather than so like there's one thing they could have done where they kept the same sort of. Um, standard under front that they went to where you have the Sam linebacker up on the line of scrimmage and then you have your weak side defensive end, your Leo position, uh, you could kick him out even further, right? And just kind of play him in a wide nine alignment, leave everybody else kind of mostly where they were at. Uh, what it sounds like they are going to do is get both ends wide. So they want both of them out there. And by doing that, now your strong side defensive end becomes the end guy in the line of scrimmage. So you bump the Sam back off off the ball, um, off the line of scrimmage. So he becomes a more traditional linebacker at that point, as opposed to more of an edge style player. Right. So I think that's the, the big change that it seems like they want to at least do more of, uh, in, in base situations going forward with this kind of new stuff that they're throwing at, uh, defensively. So, yeah, I think, um, from that perspective, having somebody like Malcolm Smith, who they viewed as an off ball guy before, makes makes sense um but it's still a position that is not on the field it is the it is the very first position that gets replaced when you get into your sub packages i think this is where players like dre greenlaw become a little you you like those stories already but you you think someone like him has an opportunity to stick around because now linebacker you know if you're going to have linebackers that can be interchangeable now you want you don't need that bigger edge defender or you don't need the Eli Harolds of the world you can have another player that can play Mike or, or, or Will and and they're interchangeable with all three so hopefully it creates a, maybe a bit of a roster spot for someone like Dre Greenlaw to, to stick on the team uh, another player with with a solid story that you hope ends up making it here 
on the team. Hell, maybe he pushes Malcolm Smith for uh, for a roster spot. That would be Who great. Knows? That would be great. Yeah, I mean, it seems like people are, are at least very early. Um, and again, mini camp stuff you take with a, a massive grain of salt. But yeah, people pretty positive on him so far. Yeah, so the the other like, kind of broad section of news stories that came out recently are the returns. We already talked about Dante Johnson a bit, but Anthony Davis. There's a name I haven't heard in Short years. Yeah, and and now he's uh, he apparently wants to be back in the NFL. And he asked for his reinstatement. It was granted, and the Niners promptly cut him because they still owned his rights. So now he can go and sign with someone else. If, if you're the GM of the Niners, given how well he played when he did play and he cared about football and he didn't have concussion issues, and you still have his rights, do you basically try him out in OTAs or do you just say, cut your losses and you're gone? Yeah, I'm fine cutting losses and, and moving out. Um, yeah, I mean, just too much. Uh, it, it, very hard to, to think that you can rely on them at this point. I think for all part, obviously, you know, the current staff that there had no part in adding him to the roster to he begin last, with. He last played with Chip Kelly. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, when he, ben, he played in one game. And he, he got moved in a guard so that Trent Brown could play tackle. Yeah, I'm sure he saw Trent Brown go to New England for one year, play decently, and get fucking paid, and was like, "All right, maybe I should rethink this retirement thing just a little bit." Um, the, yeah, honestly, I think, I think you move on. Give the, him- the cynic in me thought to myself, "I mean, he signed a pretty lucrative deal because you know, he got to a second contract, and he signed a pretty big one, and it was it had something. I, I you might want to check my my remembrance here, but I think it had north of twenty million guaranteed, uh, like just north of it." And honestly, the cynic in me thought to myself, man, he probably ran out of money after about three, four years because uh, it's, been, it's been about, God, Chip Kelly feels like decades ago at this point. But, <laughs> it really does. Uh, but he probably just ran out of money and was looking around. I was like, well, what do I do now? Well, my body feels okay. My mind feels right. Let's give it a go. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just is just kind of strange. I mean, you know, do you if you you know want to want to come back and give it a go and somebody's willing yeah, to give you that chance, like by all means, uh, go and get that money. But it's just it's just his whole uh, his career path arc has been very strange. Yeah, it's been it's been strange to say the least. But uh, in terms of OTAs, is, is there any other story that kind of came out or has come out recently that you thought to yourself, oh, yeah, that's interesting, or is it all just kind of like, well, the breaks of returns and that's it. Yeah, I mean, that that pretty much covers anything. I mean, if you don't think that I was watching every single Jimmy Garoppolo minicamp cut up on Twitter, like, you're fucking wrong, uh, number one. So, I mean, that was the, the, uh, the other thing. Just getting to see that stud back taking snaps and throwing some passes against air was, was amazing. Um, passes against air are better than no passes at all. Yeah, I mean, we, but, we know all about his titanium knee brace, which is apparently yeah. a whole new thing. Uh, I, I did hyper look at one clip where it was him and then Mullins and I think Beathard all through a pass and it, immediately I'm just like all right which pass looks prettier let me see it let me see it oh that one's got some zip that one's not Mullins like <laughs> <laughs> that guy looks like he actually belongs on an NFL roster let's yeah, do it exactly um there's only probably one other story which I think is is interesting only because it, it opens up a whole door into something we don't get often which is NFL players as a human and that's the story about Solomon Thomas yeah. he's he's now yeah, gone man. on his kind of press tour talking a little bit about how last year was really awful for him trying to get over the, the death, the suicide of his sister. And I was just in a really, really dark place. And I mean, a lot of the words that he was using makes me think that he was just flat out depressed at various times over the course of the year. And I mean, honestly, how could you not be? He's talked about his sister being his best friend and them being super close and she commits suicide. And 
I, I can I he's said that it's affected his play and it did affect his play last year and hopefully he's on the the better end of that kind of grief process now um, but it was just, he was on Mayoko's podcast and I was listening to it on the on the drive home and I was just thinking to myself God I I can't even imagine what that must have been like and then having to put in the hours to care about a game and do all the film study and and keep your mind in a place where you want to compete when all you want to do is crawl in a hole and sleep um like that just seems like an awful place to be and so i'm I'm really glad that he's feeling better um and that he's doing better and and i really god i really hope he does well this year because the one thing he said on mayoko's pod which i thought was interesting in terms of a football nugget well he said two things one is that he openly admitted that the team now views him as a base defensive end and someone who will kick to the inside to rush the passer on passing downs. Excellent. That's not something that we've heard openly confirmed by anyone in a, at a consistent rate from the 49ers and Solomon. And uh, Mayoko asked him a question point blank. And he said, absolutely. That's how they view me. Yes. Um, and then the other thing that, that Mayoko asked him was, why do you think you're better at rushing from the interior? And his interest, his answer was, I thought, really on point and interesting, but it's because he gets to use his athleticism and he doesn't, there's not as much time to have to set things up and he can get on the guard quickly. And because he can do that, their moves are more predictable and thus he can beat them faster, which I thought is, again, he's a super athletic dude. He was like top three or top five in his class in terms of overall athleticism. And and if he's going to win on the inside, that's exactly how he's going to win. Um, so it was just a really phenomenal interview. Definitely go take a listen. Um, but I, I really hope that guy has a really good season for lots of reasons. Right. I, th- I think that's kind of the, the big thing for me is it's like, it's very easy to forget and kind of car- compartmentalize the human aspect of it. And, and, um, and really just try to focus on what they're doing on the field. Cause that's the thing that we can see, right? We don't get to see what's going on with these guys off the field and what they're going through in their personal lives. And so I think, yeah, ultimately it, it's just like, regardless of whether or not he ends up being a good player or a bad player, whatever it is, like he's just very much somebody that I will be rooting for very strongly. And I yeah, hope does well. I agree that there was a really interesting article by, I think Marcus Thompson in the athletic about Kevin Durant and how Kevin Durant is really a child of the social media generation and people get on him for being on Twitter. And, you know, I mean, you're going to have a burner account. You're going to get roasted, right? Like sure. you deserve it. <laughs> but at the same, but at the same time, he is like, should we expect him to not? And, and Kevin Durant very openly said, like, I'm speaking on things that I know about, right? Which is basketball. I'm not going to try to get in Gordon Ramsay's mentions and tell him how to cook a steak, right? <laughs> like, so why, why, yeah. should I, why should I not speak about the things that I'm intimately familiar with, that I'm an expert on? Um, and, and it's just interesting to, to think about how, you know, players are humans too, and we, should, we may expect something more of them, but they hear it, they see it, they read it. Salman Thomas said that he reads, you know, a lot of the stuff that that was said about him on Twitter and that has been said about him on Twitter. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I could take it. Um, oh, no. I, I mean, I've never gone through anything close to like what, no. what he uh, had to go through in that last year. And so, uh, and I've gone through, so things that are far less, you know, severe and terrible have probably derailed me a hell of a lot more than that derailed him last year. Agreed. Um, so. All right, so I think in terms of Niners stuff, that's most of what we've got, unless you wanted to tackle something else. Nah, man, ain't shit happening in football land right now. Yeah, not a whole hell of a lot. I guess the Niners launched an LBGTQ community, um, which is great. I think it's awesome. Way to bring more Niners yeah, fans in. Yeah, uh, apparently first one ever, which is, is pretty dope. Yeah, it's pretty great, um, which I think is pretty cool. But other than that, I mean, that's pretty much it. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. End so of May. let's uh, yeah, end of May. That's exactly right. We're going to take a brief break to hear from our sponsors and then we're going to get to everything else. We'll talk some Game of Thrones. We'll talk some Hamilton. We'll talk some Avengers. And, uh, and so, yeah. So if all you care about Snyder stuff, pull the ripcord now before the commercials. All right. So it's been a week now. Uh, this is probably the longest since we've gone talking to each other since like probably August. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but a lo- lot of things. Game of Thrones finale, which we did not watch in the same room, which is weird. Uh, you've seen Hamilton now, so we can talk Accurate. about that. And uh, and I finally saw Avengers. So that we'll we'll meander. We'll talk about these three things. But first, let's uh, let's start with Game of Thrones because it's a show we know and love. And of course, there will be spoilers. Um, Dude, man. It, it is, to me, it's a show that much, there were, there were lots of other shows that, like Dexter, for example, phenomenal first couple of seasons ended with a whimper. To me, Game of Thrones kind of falls in that realm. It's a great show with fantastic heights and it did a lot of things really well. Um, but at the end, it just kind of fizzled out and, and that's okay. Those two seasons can still not be great. And the show overall, I think, can still be something I, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, right. I think that's that's like the one of the big things to to really like clarify before any of the stuff that we are disappointed with, you know, about either how it ended or or the, how the final two seasons went, like still like without a doubt my favorite TV show overall, I would say. Like uh, I, I mean, it's there, like, considering the ending, you know, maybe brings it back a little bit closer to stuff like Breaking Bad or, or some of the other shows that just had, like, a, maybe a stronger finish for me. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like, it, it was still a fantastic show for a very long time. If you liked how these last couple seasons went, too, like, there were a few people that I think were, like, upset that we were shitting on it. Like, oh, man, they had, you know, six seasons uh, uh, right. that were great and then, you know, one or two that, that weren't and you're, like, completely out. It's like, no, it's not about that at all. If you liked it, power to you. Like, fucking awesome. I wish that I could have enjoyed it more and it just, that's not how it went. Uh, I think, ultimately, finale-wise for me, the the kind of starting point is... I am okay with pretty much all of the destinations, right? I could see a scenario how every one of those characters got to the spot that they ended up putting them and would be completely fine with that. The journey just sucked the yeah. last season. Plus. Never never upset with how it happened. Um, only or Never upset with what happened, only how it happened or how they got there. You know, I wonder if the... I wonder if the showrunners made a mistake by not telling the characters their arcs from the get-go because breaking bad i think is the closest correlate to a a a turn towards evil and or madness that felt natural and felt expected but what was what was the conceit of that show is that they had every season not perhaps every episode or every word in every episode but they had just about every season and some major story beats plotted out when they started shooting benioff and weiss had that option as well they knew and, and effectively guessed the ending, which is one of the reasons that Martin gave them the series. And instead of telling the actors, they decided to keep it all secret. And, and I think for, from an actor's perspective, there are things that you can do when you play a part if you know that something is coming or you know that eventually you're going to be evil. And you play scenes a little differently. You leave different hints. And I think that maybe that could have helped the show overall beginning to end if they wouldn't have been so tight-lipped about it and they wouldn't have seen those final episodes at table reads like, you know, months before they were going to shoot. I think the pacing is is really just what screwed them. Um, I think if they had, you know, rather than being 13 episodes over the final two seasons, if if they would have done, you know, it 
bare minimum two full seasons, you know, probably honestly like added at least a third in there. I, I know George R. R. Martin has said like in order for them to, to really finish, they probably would have needed like five years, seasons, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, from, from where they were at going, uh, kind of at the end of book territory there. So yeah, I think, um, I, I, I think it was just tough for, you to make those leaps with some of the characters in such a short period of time, right? Like the Danny stuff is a perfect example. It's not that Danny turning bad was unexpected, right? Or there weren't little signs, but it's Danny going from a person who basically at every turn has cared for the innocent, right? Has given a shit about trying to protect the innocent. She's made mistakes. She's had weird things happen, but you could always like sort of justify it as that person was an enemy, right? That person was standing in her way, of getting what she wanted to get, um, at least from her perspective, you could make that argument. But there was never a, a situation where she were she was putting innocence in harm, harm's way, right? And so jumping from that person to, I'm just going to roast this entire fucking town and not give a shit about it, is like a big leap to make really quickly, right? We needed There needed to be a lot more things that happened between those two to get there and, and to have it feel satisfying. Yeah, so you mentioned the pacing, and one show that if, if you haven't started watching it yet, I would highly recommend you do so is Chernobyl, because I just started oh, watching man, that. so good. Oh, my God. And I'm only three episodes in, but holy shit, that, that pacing is amazing. And one thing I think that Game of Thrones used to do early on that, that Chernobyl does really well, that Game of Thrones didn't do so well near the end, is giving you the space to emotionally feel what's happening on screen. And that space can come in silence. That space can come through acting, silent looks. It can come through lots of different things. It can come through beautiful cinematography. Um, but, but they give you the space to be like, holy fuck. Uh, and they also explain nuclear physics incredibly clearly. Right. Um, but uh, like one of the things I thought that they did really, really well in the last episode to give people space was um, the scene where Danny's walking uh, up to the steps and the, the dragon's wings kind of open up behind her. Yeah. Holy shit, that was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Like, I would put that as, like, a a wallpaper and just stare at it all day. I mean, that's what, like, visually, there was no decline. (laughs) Like, obviously, like, it was still, the the entire final season was was fantastic in that regard. Um, You know, there were were a lot of really great scenes other than, you know, obviously the battle that was mostly in the dark. Don't Um, even, yeah, well, the battle in the dark and then also the Euron thing. Like, that's still... Oh, I mean, yeah, there's, we could go on for for days with things that didn't make sense from from a plot standpoint over the final two seasons. But I think, right, the, I think it just goes back to something that we talked about earlier that uh, obviously a ton of people have mentioned in talking about the show and it's that, uh, you know, the the thing that early Game of Thrones and stuff like Chernobyl has in common, right, those things that they were covering already happened. Yeah. Right. We, we kind of game of Thrones had the books to fall back on knew what that outline looked like and could execute that in a a more satisfactory manner. Once they got into that kind of uncharted territory of, we need to make this up on our own. We kind of, we know the end point, but we don't have everything written there to tell us how to get there. That was when I think they really struggled and you just saw things kind of fall apart and feel rushed and, and all the things that, uh, made it such a good television show for the first five plus seasons just weren't there anymore. Do you think they're going to fuck up Star Wars? Because that's where they're moving next, right? They, they have a Star Wars trilogy, and I, I think it's a tri- like movie trilogy. I don't think it's going to yeah, be on, on Disney like, Plus. Yeah, but it's like, 
it's supposed to be a new right. It's, so it's Star Wars universe, universe, Uni- but uh, or universe, universe. <laughs> um, but, um, but it's like uh, divorced from the rest of the well, story. The, right? Isn't the rumor that I heard was that it was going to be in the the Knights of the Old Republic. So that that video game era where Jedi's are plentiful and they are also the, basically the knights or the King Arthur kind of story, which and they just came off of a you know fantasy epic, which was of course fantasy is very much influenced by medieval history and has that kind of ethos around it. So, I mean, it would make sense for them to go in that world and in that way in that era of the world yeah. because the last time we saw um, knights when knights were plentiful was like in, in episodes one two and three not the first three movies yeah. um, and they really did not nail that we i mean we basically saw those weren't very good no no they were not <laughs> um you could say they were the the seventh and eighth season of of the I star mean, wars yeah but yeah so i think you know overall I still really enjoyed Game of Thrones. I, I might go back and read the books again just to get some of like the really, really good stuff from the characters and, and kind of put myself back in that world. But so, yeah, it makes me more excited um, you know, to to read the books again to uh hopefully I mean, again, I, I think the best thing that can come out of this, I forget if we mentioned this on the last one, but the best thing for me at this point that can come out of the way this final season went is that George R. R. Martin suddenly like motivated again and like reinvigorated by everybody hating the way that it ended on the TV show. And it's just like, okay, I can do this, right? Like I, everybody thinks that I can do it better. I'm going to go out and, and kind of get this shit done. He's just um, going to hate finish the books. It's like how, how we, we hate watch television shows sometimes. Yeah. It's like, he's just going to hate write them. I feel pretty good that the, the sixth one's going to come out sometime in the relatively near ish yeah. future. Um, it's the, it's the last one that I, I think is the concern, right? Once he gets uh, that out, I mean, he's finally put like, we're to a point where and he was against this for so long at putting deadlines right on these books. Uh, he kind of put a somewhat of a self-imposed deadline on this sixth one recently saying that he's basically going to have it done. Like there was something on, on Twitter. I think that air New Zealand like offered him uh, a free flight to New Zealand so that he could get away and relax and help him finish the books, whatever. And he said that, you know, no, probably best that I stay here so that I can be busy at work. I just get too distracted, but I am going to be in New Zealand next year for some conference uh, that's happening down there during the summer and basically said some long lines of like, if I don't have winds of winter with me there, then you can like lock me up in a jail cell and make me. Right? I mean, so. that sounds like uh, a decent trade. Yeah. I did start reading the, uh, I guess it's uh, a book series called the first law trilogy uh, by Abercrombie. What's his first name? Joe Abercrombie, not Joseph Abercrombie. Apparently he writes war books, uh, Joe Abercrombie. Uh, and so far it's, uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Really dark. There's a torturer dude, and he's like really tortury, super torture, super torture. He was tortured himself, and then he tortures people. Oh man, that's kind of fucked up. Yeah, super fucked up. Uh, but yeah, that's so. I'm I'm not. I'm just starting that one. I started it when I was on vacation, uh, and so we'll see how that one goes. But Game of Thrones, loved it. You know, the 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 finale was what it needed to be, um, and here we are. Now, Hamilton, you took your wife as an anniversary gift to go see Hamilton uh, yes. down in San Antonio. Uh, I had seen it a few months back and absolutely fell in love and thought that would be a, a good idea for you and the wife. Uh, how'd you like it? I mean, it's fantastic, obviously. Does anybody not like it? I, is, there, is there like a person that has gone and been like, you know, that's fucking sucked? <laughs> 
you know, I don't know. I, I just wasted three hours of my life that I'll never get back. I yeah, I, I genuinely don't know. Um, I I do know that I have a friend who's gonna go in a couple weeks here in Austin, and he hates like all musical theater. And I basically told him, look, if you don't like, he was I was with him and his wife, and, and I was like, look, if if he doesn't like this play, never take him. To just any stop. Play. Just <laughs> it's take, over. Just, no, this is not the medium for him. Uh, and I actually agreed. He was like, honey, is that cool? And she's like, I mean, yeah. And he's like, okay, good. Yeah. So he's going to go. Um, and, and so we'll see. I mean, that'll be interesting. I, I'm, I mean, I, as you know, like haven't been a big musical person either. Uh, I think I've only really gone to, I'm trying to remember if I'm forgetting anything, but I think at least recently, somewhat like as an adult, uh, I have gone to only one other show, which was basically oh, really? uh, Phantom of the Opera. Um, we went to huh. my wife. It was one of my wife's favorite shows. We went to that um, last year, and uh, which was was great and very enjoyable. Like, but yeah, it's just not something that I ever really got into. wasn't something I was exposed to a whole lot early on in life, so just kind of like never really latched onto it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hamilton was fantastic. Was so much fun. I didn't, and I know that you know this, but I, I did not listen to any of the music before going to see it live for the first time because I did not want to yeah. ruin my interpretation of the music or, or didn't want to ruin what I thought was going to happen on stage. And boy, was that the right decision. Uh, the first time that I saw the king on stage, I laughed my fucking face off. Dude, those parts were so great. Oh, they're yeah. so good. The, uh, the King George songs were fantastic. They're so great. I mean, the send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. line is great. <laughs> it's so awesome. The, the, mind, the mind fuck literally about that is that he, the original king was the actor from Mindhunter. Yeah. Uh, which is, is really wild. So like, yeah, I mean, after, so after we went, we went on like, you know, a Friday night, I think it was, um, the, the entire week after that, I just like had listened to it nonstop essentially. Um, and I get the pun. You're now making puns. (laughs) Unintentional that one. Yeah. That's one that comes out pretty naturally. The nonstop one. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've made it unintentionally a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it's just so it was like I, I got really wrapped up in it, like listened to it pretty much uh, just on repeat for the like first week or so afterwards. Yeah. And still have uh, listened to it like fairly regularly since then. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just been I think from start to finish was like really good. Like I was trying to think about like, oh, which part were there parts that I like didn't like that much? And it's like. I can, if I work really hard, I can like kind of find areas yeah. that I didn't like as much, but I mean, it was all very good. Yeah. The, so my Aaron Burr was not super great. I, I don't think, uh, my, the, the guy who played Alexander Hamilton, when I went to go see it at Richard Rogers, it was Michael, uh, Luoy, I think was his last name. He was the, the, the guy who originally traveled and then did a run at Richard Rogers and he was so good. Oh man. He was really good. But the, man, I cannot, the, the guy who originally played Lafayette was David Diggs and I would love to see that. Because yeah. I think uh, that 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 part um, and and really switching the actors I thought was really really awesome, um, but the rap battles were great. The rap battles were awesome. Um, All the references to big puns and, and like in the way that he constructed his rhymes, he was influenced a lot by big pun, and so he wrote like the he wrote in in a book that where he talked about that being an influence, which I thought was great. Um, I mean, I think overall just the construction and even the historical accuracy of it that like most of it there, there are obviously some things that were not accurate he did not yeah. meet burr when they were that young um he did not ever ask burr to be to write the um federalist papers um that was not the, a thing. yeah there were like a whole hell of a lot more schuyler 
children. Yes. Um, and uh, Elizabeth Schuyler was already, um, or Angelica, was already married right. when, when yep. she met Hamilton. Yep. Um, but apparently she was a flirt, and people back then did think that they hooked up. Uh, even though Chernow, his his like his chief biographer, doesn't think they actually did, but um, but yeah, the Tomcat thing, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah, I mean it was it, it was like been a while since I've been really interested in in kind of reading more history and stuff like that. But yeah, I got I know I think you've read the full thing now. At this I point, did, right? I did. Uh, yeah, the I full finished, biography. I finished the Chernow book because I dove in uh, right after the play, basically. Yeah, so I have it. I have it queued up. I I have uh, some some books that wife is uh, insisted get read oh before really that so this so is this it's like uh, a little bit back further but this is like another harry potter basically it was kind of like an exchange okay. for for harry potter like i got i i pushed harry potter up her list to the very top essentially okay. and was like you gotta you gotta read this you shit. guys are bartering um, in book currency I love yeah it. and so she's like all right well if i do this then your next one has got to be this one and so so it was it it's it's a hamilton the biography or what is it no no it's uh another fantasy series uh throne of glass is uh, huh. what it's called. It's like and it's seven books, but I'm only yeah. I, I just it's like something I just barely. I still have to get you to read the Mistborn trilogy because I got I almost yeah, got Meg. Yeah, yeah, I almost got Meg to start reading that. But Mistborn, Brandon Sanderson, I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I've got the Federalist Papers and Thomas Jefferson's biography over there. If you want to add some more fuel to your book <laughs> fire, um, but all right, let's talk about the Avengers because I finally finished it. Um, I'm done. It is done. What did it cost? A lot. <laughs> What did you, I mean, so you're far less of a, a Marvel movie fan than, than I am, I think. So, Accurate. I mean, what did you, what did you think of this one? I thought it was fine. I thought, I, I definitely enjoyed myself. I thought the, some of the performances were very, very good. I think that what the writers and directors did to wrap up and include so many different storylines and actors and things, they, they did a really good job writing the movie. I thought the heist, the, 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 the idea of a heist in the middle of a movie I thought was really good. I wish they would have done a bit more to it. I wish they would, it would have been more like a traditional heist where you've got like, you know, the Dane Cook monkey like, get in the van! Um, <laughs> but, but I think that, it, that overall as a movie, it was fun. It was enjoyable. You had to know that Robert Downey was going to go. Um, you had to know that Chris Evans was going to be gone somehow because yeah. they are tired of making these movies. I'm kind of surprised that uh, it seems like Hemsworth is going to be back. Um, yeah. The, it's going to stay on as Thor for a little bit, which as, I got to say, like Fat Thor, one of my favorite parts. Of, oh, of the, the dude. He's thing. the dude. Uh, yeah. I, the movie has got to be as Guardians of the Galaxy. It has <laughs> I to mean, be. It's, it's out there. Yeah. It's out there for the taking. It's, it is. Um, so I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a very, very good movie. I enjoyed myself. Um, and, and again, another beautiful movie overall. I thought um, I still think the raccoon's probably my favorite character. Yeah, I mean Rocket's pretty. pretty yeah, good. he's amazing. Uh, um, and and Bradley Cooper as his voice, like you forget that it's Bradley Cooper, and you're like, oh shit, that is Bradley Cooper. Uh, but I had a good time. But I think that the the moment I left the theater, like in the movie, I'm enjoying myself, I'm having a good time. The the Robert Downey death, it it it, it had some emotional weight to it. I thought I thought yeah. the Captain America piece also had some emotional weight to it. Um, but at the end of the movie, I, as I'm leaving, immediately I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, like it's done. My God, it's, it's, yeah. it is what it is. Um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what those movies look like going forward without Robert Downey Jr. and, and Chris Evans there. I mean, pretty much, like, the majority of the movies in the MCU so far have really kind of revolved around them yeah. in some capacity, right? They've been at least involved in in a lot of them, and so... Uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll just be weird to not have like Robert Downey Jr. there to kind of like, 
be the comedic relief at points, and not that they don't have other funny yeah, Paul, actors. And Paul stuff Rudd like that, was but, pretty good in the movie. Yeah. I thought that the Ant Man, and I, ha- I actually haven't seen any of the Ant Mans, Ant Man or Ant Man and Wasp. Okay, um, but I thought Paul Rudd did a great job. Yeah, he's uh, he was kind of super, like not somebody that you really expect to be like what Paul Rudd's in the superhero movie. He's like, not just little... crap bag. He's not just crap bag. He's grown beyond crap bag. I will say I loved uh, all of the pre-end game jokes about like how Thanos was going to die because Ant-Man was going to shrink and then go up in his ass and fucking <laughs> expand. I did not get any of that. Oh my is that God. a real thing? Yeah, it was fucking hilarious. Oh, my uh, God. Laughed no. at that for like solid week. Dude, Thanos is part cat. That dude has a lot of lives. <laughs> a lot of lives. He's been killed and watched his own execution. Like that. this dude, I mean, and but overall good villain, I think. Um, yeah, which is, I mean, he's obviously like, I mean, he's the one they spent the most time on, but by far the, the best villain that they've had. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad they started moving the battles away from major metropolises so that people just don't die in catastrophe all of the fucking time. Um, but you know, cities. Yeah. yeah, But I thought from a writing perspective, it was good from a cinematography, a cinematography perspective, also good. Some of the acting was good. Some of the acting, you know, not so much, a little flat. Um, Scarlett Johansson. Okay. Hawkeye. Like outside of like the first couple of scenes, I thought was very good. Okay, first of all, let's talk about one scene in particular that kind of bothered me: the "let's race to die" thing. Like oh, they, they're yeah. they're literally trying to like, no, I'm gonna die. No, I'm gonna die. No, I'm gonna die. No, I'm gonna die. It's like, yeah, it's a little. I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it makes sense in a way uh, with their like relationship over the movies, but yeah, it's it was maybe a little much. Yeah, I, it was I, it was I a little much. Sure. It was a bit much. Um, and like what at one point they both could have died. Yeah, almost ended up bad. Yeah, that like that was that was awful. Um, almost <laughs> as awful as letting Loki get the damn. <laughs> Tesseract. Yeah, Loki just being like, oh, oh shit. Oh, gotta go. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, overall, I thought it was good. But man, I'm glad it's done. Oh, it's not done. Uh, I know that there's it's like another phase. I, I know it will never end. And I know that yeah. these are our new comic books effectively. But I don't know that I have the energy to 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 put into another like... Because I didn't watch all 25 movies or whatever the arc was. I watched probably... I mean, I would say maybe 15 of the movies. And even that felt like way too much. I really hope that with with kind of what they're doing with Disney and how they're moving the, the Marvel characters to lots of places, I hope that they diversify the stories and make it a bit more like comic books where, you know, you've got different versions of characters in different storylines and written by different authors and they just have different runs. And it's like, you know, we don't need to do the same things and this one feels differently. This one's darker. This one's noir. This one's different. Where you yeah. can kind of pick and choose what you want to see as opposed to feeling like you have to be in all of these temple movies because if you don't watch this movie and that movie and the other movie, then you won't get this blockbuster movie that all your friends are talking about. Yeah. I mean, those movies are not going away. As long as, like, that's no. fine. And hopefully they do some other stuff. And I think it's fair to expect that they will just continue to expand and, and have more Marvel content, whether in the form of TV shows and on the Disney you know Plus stuff and, and all of that. But, like, those movies in the MCU, as long as they are still printing money, are, are going to be. And there. they are. I mean, this is now, like, the, what, second highest grossing movie of all time. Um, yeah, and and I, th- I think there's still, I mean, I'm still interested. I mean, I think um, the Spider-Man, who I'm for blanking on the actor's name right now, but the He's current the Spider-Man is, like, is the spider like he's one of my favorite spider-mans probably I agree. ever in in movies i think he's uh been very good i'm i'm interested in in those movies i think future black panther movies interested in that for sure um so there's yeah i think still definitely things i mean thor 
uh, Hemsworth has been just fucking awesome as he's Thor. Funny. And he's so, so funny. As the dude, he was yeah. even funnier. Yeah. And, and so, like, uh, I'm, I'm interested in any movies that, like, he pops up in again. I don't know if they're going to do standalone Thor or if he's just going to pop up here and then or, yeah. or what the deal is. But, um, you know, anything that he shows up in, I'll be interested in. So, yeah, I think there's still still stuff to draw people in for sure. But why? Sorry, it just struck me. Why do all of the actors in Chernobyl have British accents? Yeah, man. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I guess it would be difficult to, to sorry, hard left turn. Should have warned you. Yeah. Put your seatbelt on, buddy. Uh, but it just, it, it struck me as like, okay, why do they all have British? Like, I get that it's, it's maybe difficult to like voice train it and and do voice acting lessons with everyone. But it just feels like they were like, what accent do you have? Okay, use that one. Honestly, I think I w- I would prefer that than just everybody trying, trying to do and, a Russian accent and very poorly doing Russian accents. Like that would that just too. be like pretty fucking insulting. I feel like the other would be if they only got Russian actors and then it was subtitled, which I think would also be kind of annoying. Um, yeah, I I mean I would I would get it. I but like if you're gonna pitch this to like an American audience, I think that's yeah, I not get the the best move. That's like, just the I first would rather that me. not read a TV show. If I want to read, I'll pick up a book like type of thing. <laughs> Um, not that I'm like, you know, I'll watch movies, TV shows with subtitles. It's just not my Today most I learned favorite thing. David hates subtitles. Yeah. Well, subtitles. all right. Uh, rank them in order of hate. Subtitles, Vance McDonald, Sim- Sam Linebacker questions. Oh, my God. Um, inverse order that you just listed there. <laughs> Sam Linebacker questions at the top. Vance McDonald. I mean, look, I don't have anything against him personally. He's just not good at football, oh, which is, is weird that people think he is. But, you know, teach his own. All right, so we've meandered. We've come full circle. Uh, now we're at the end. Anything else you want to touch on before we go? Because I don't think we're going to do an episode next week. I am going to be traveling for work. I'll be in South Carolina for all of like one and a half day. So if you have any recommendations, I, I won't be able to even do them because I'll be at a work dinner. <laughs> if you have recommendations, save them because yeah, I got nothing. I got yeah, no time for you. have recommendations, fuck you. No, uh, I think I might have to do work at a coffee shop during the middle of the day. So if there are any good coffee shops uh, in Charleston, shoot them my way. But once dinner time hits, I've got, a, I've got work responsibilities. And then the next day I'll be all day at work and then we're getting on a plane and coming the right the fuck back home. I mean, that um, seems like the proper course of action. Yeah, to exactly. Take. But so I don't think we'll be here next week, but... Uh, anything else you wanted to cover now before uh, before we go? Nah, man, nothing happening right now. It's just all no. like I mean, end of end of May is pretty pretty good. Nice, yeah. to, like kind of chill break from from things going on. Really get a reset before yeah. things start building up for the season. So again, this is a so. bit of a lull. We're taking yeah. a few weeks off, but once we get into June uh, and especially July, of course, we're gonna have the return of our ski month, and so we'll, we'll probably tackle a couple of things there. Maybe we'll touch on the wide nine. I'm thinking that's the only kind of tent pole that I have in there to spend a little bit of time on. But other than that, we'll start formulating some ideas. But if there's anything that you want uh, or, for sure, or that you think that you would like to hear us cover, uh, definitely shoot them our way. Uh, you can do that on Twitter at better rivals. David, where can they shoot ideas to you about Sam linebackers? <laughs> I mean, into the abyss uh, <laughs> is where you can send those. Into those the, it is uh, much like Thanos. Those questions are inevitable. <laughs> uh, at PFF underscore Dave is where you can find me. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners.